G'day listeners, Hef here. I am proud to introduce the Point of Difference podcast. It's an AFL Fantasy Classic podcast by Doss and Louie. Um, it's a bit of a pilot episode and uh, yeah, it's coming out under the uh, Keeper League umbrella. Um, have a listen to it. If you like it, let us know, give us some feedback and uh, yeah, it may become a more permanent fixture in the future. Enjoy. Cheers, Hollywood. We'll take it from here. On this episode, we go through our top 30 most intriguing players from the Amy Community Series and reveal our round one rookie power rankings. Let's go! G'day and welcome to the Point of Difference AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm Doss, here with Louie. What's up, Louie? Nice to be looking at you, Dossie. It's very good here in the Ludio, if you don't like mind. Like it, yes. Very, very nice indeed. Now, thanks to the Keeper League pod for having us. Keen to talk some AFL Fantasy Classic. Louis, tell us a bit about your fantasy footy background. Yeah, so I've been playing fantasy footy for a long time now. Probably uh, four or five years ago, though, I started taking things a little bit more seriously. You know, you have your mates, you have your cash leagues and classic and draft and things like that. So I kind of wanted to get the competitive edge and... You know, um, sort of had a little bit of success. I've had a couple of top 300 finishes, a top 1,000 finish. And Oof. a year ago, I decided to start a fantasy Twitter account. So here I am now. You're a Twitter celebrity uh, on the rise, Louis, I reckon. And where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, at AF on Twitter. There you go. Go and follow Louis, guys. He comes up with some great content out there. I'm Doss. If you don't know me, I've just uh, hosted a few podcasts here and there. I'm actually pretty average at your fantasy classic, but I have a few good takes here and there, Louis, don't I? And I, I throw a lot out there and sometimes the, uh, sometimes it sticks. Sometimes it sticks, that's it. Well, Louis, what did you make of the Amy Community Series that we had over the weekend? Well, I guess I will start off by just saying that halfback flankers are the new midfielders, aren't they? Well, it did seem like that, didn't it? Early days, there was a few massive scores from a few big names and... Uh, of course, on this episode, we will be going through our most intriguing players, so I'm sure a couple might pop up on there, but do you think it's a trend that's going to continue through the season? I mean, we often see things in the preseason that don't completely matter at all. I'm probably going to go through in a minute a list of guys that weren't playing in the Amy Community Series, and that really sheds light on sometimes how strong these teams were and sometimes how weak they were. A lot of teams take it differently. I mean, for instance, Western Bulldogs, seems like they played almost their strongest team, maybe minus a huge, huge piece though in Trelaw. Whereas Melbourne were missing Clayton Oliver, one of their best players, and he's a big key mover. But what did you think? What do you reckon about the trend? Is it going to stay these halfback flankers just dominating? Oh, look, it's really tough to tell, Dossie, because we know that in pre-season games, often games can be really, really open as coaches try to look to use new players in different roles and try different things. I mean, you mentioned the Bulldogs. That was a full dress rehearsal. Okay, we, maybe we can take something out of that. But mm. as fantasy coaches, we often say to watch the role because often the game's not going to be played how it would in a regular season game. So if they're training that role in a pre-season game, yeah. sometimes it's just a good indication that that's what they're going to do in the regular season. But in terms of open space and probably that man on the mark rule is going to be, it's certainly the buzzword at the moment in yeah, the fantasy community. It is. I really think we'll see opposition coaches tighten up on that rule because, uh, you know, it's, it's hurting them offensively. We're seeing how many goals are being kicked. So yep. coaches are going to be working their ass off to minimize that risk. 
and basically do what they've done with every other AFL rule change that's been brought in yeah. the last few years. So we often see the rule, the rules exploited in the early days and then kind of counteracted and, and coaches just work their ass off to find out how to tighten it up and we'll see the defense kind of, you reckon, creep back up to where the offense is at the moment, sort of exploiting that rule and then maybe creep a little bit back to basically where we've been at for the last forever yeah until they have to make the next rule to counteract this one so yeah pretty much (laughs) yeah next year all right well we're just going to quickly go through some of the major stories out of the amy community series just from a fantasy perspective obviously there's stacks of stories but zach williams out suspended we are recording on a tuesday night louis and we know now zach williams they appealed but they failed, so he's still going to miss round one. You can't have him in your team. Waste of $10,000, I think, Dossie. That was always going to happen. But yeah. uh, look, it's, it's a good thing for us, the Point of Difference podcast, because all of a sudden, about 50% of coaches are going to be looking elsewhere. And I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. And also, Callum Mills, he's gone as well. Concussed. So part of the new rules around concussion, he's going to miss round one if you had him in your plans. Possibly, yeah. So he's he's having some symptoms, but you would imagine that they're pretty hot on this at the moment and they're not going to want a bad story to come out regarding that. So I think... They might err on the side of caution. Just watch out for Callum Mills the next few weeks. Yep, keep an eye on that one. Cam Rayner, unfortunately, gone for the season. Um, probably wasn't in a lot of classic teams anyway, but just he's gone for the season, unfortunately. Uh, still side bottom. Actually popped a little old man calf by the looks about 9% into that game as well for Collingwood. So just keep an eye out for round one for that one, Louis, I think. Uh, yeah, he might get back for round one, but being a little bit of an old man injury, he probably looking at round two, I think. Now, look, there are probably a few more, but Will Kelly was the other major one for, not for the general community, probably Will Kelly, but unfortunately he suffered another bad injury there and he's a $172,000 rookie that was in a lot of teams. So make sure he's out of your team for round one. Other players that missed the Amy Community Series. Now, this probably delves deeper into that fact that maybe we can't take too much out of the Amy Community Series. But, okay, this is just a quick list. I'll run through all the names. Ron Marshall, Taylor Adams, Adam Trelaw, Ben Cunnington, Jake Lloyd, Caleb Sarong, Dion Prestia, Basha Hooley, Lance Franklin. Well, he's going to be out for a <laughs> We've always regular to seen that. Uh, Franklin missing time. But Lockie Whitfield, Matt Flynn, he's going to be a test because he missed it as well. A popular rookie. Jackson Haightley, he was omitted. We might see him after getting spanked on the weekend. Chera, Tim Kelly, Elliot Yo, the list goes on. Doesn't it, Louis? Massive, massive. So, and then to finish that off, you've got Titch, O'Meara, Wingard, Duncan, <laughs> Crouch, Brayshaw. Yeah. I mean, we talk about how much we can read into these preseason games. Mm-hmm. How many how many fantasy points did those blokes score between them last year? Just a lot. And I mean, to be honest, looking at the teams as well, I think it is very much a team-by-team basis. Like we said, from all accounts, Western Bulldogs, a full, de- a full dress rehearsal, and yet even Adam Trelaw's not in that team right now. So... Just take it all with a grain of salt, people. But, Louis, we're going to get onto the main part of our show, and this is an exciting thing for us on the Point of Difference podcast, Louis. We're going to go through our top 30 most intriguing players from the Amy Community Series from an AFL Fantasy Classic perspective. And they're going to be both good and bad. So this the intriguing list, I gave you basically no rules on what constitutes intriguing. So it's not going to just be the guys that top scored or the guys that least did did terrible for us. It's going to be just a list of guys that we have been intrigued by and have probably been coming either in or out of our teams or just we're keeping an eye on based on how they went 
in the Amy Community Series or how they didn't go. So Louis, we're gonna go back and forth. You pick one, I pick one, and this is our top 30 most intriguing. Who's your number one? Well, first of all, Dossie, may I just say, this is really up your avenue, mate. Intriguing players is pretty much <laughs> your brand. So I think we might just get started with Dow Dow, Patty Dow. Number one. Number one. Uh, <laughs> oh, we may as well start the show and continue your uh, sort of ride on the fame. So yep, uh, yep. let's talk about Patty Dow. Uh, just the 0.5 points per minute in the Amy Community Series after yes. really impressing in that practice game, Dossie. Yes, his points per minute was certainly low. Now that is something we can look at, but as I did come to the aid of Paddy Dow on Twitter very quickly after the game. He ticked a lot of other boxes, didn't he? He he had 18 centre bounces, which was third behind Cripps and Walsh. He had first, he came first in his team in pressure acts, tied first for score involvements, tied third for clearances. And there was something late in the game that I really liked. And when the, the, the game was on the line, so to speak, not that it's a big game that's on the line. He had this handball in traffic that opened the game up late in the game. And it is an impact player moment. But you'd think guys like that, is it worth paying up the th- over $300,000? Louis, this is for my brand. You've got to understand for the padded every Yes, yes, so I get it, mate. Is paying his $300,000 for the job security? Because to me, it looked looked like a great role. Sure, the scoring wasn't there for one week. He got best on ground the week before in a game against AFL opposition as well. Can we maybe take that into account in this two-week sample? Yeah, so I'm not looking at the scoring so much as I'm really looking at those CBAs and first for pressure acts. He might be third in CBAs because he is bringing those pressure acts to the team. That might be what David Teague absolutely loves about Paddy Dow this year. And that might be what he has to do to really sort of make it as a midfielder in the AFL because up until this point, he just hasn't really fired. So no, I actually think it's a really good sign for Paddy Dow that he's playing this role. And, you know, at 320K, think you can afford to take the risk and you know if it doesn't look as good as what you might have hoped it would have after round two then just nudge him down Braden Campbell might be in fine form for example and you can just go down to a rookie all right I don't mind that and uh, Richmond round one you get the early game as well and you get to see Paddy Dow on the big stage down down Paddy Dow get around him my number one most intriguing this may surprise a few people Matt Rowe He's intriguing from a lot of senses. Yep. Okay, so he's owned by 52% of coaches. That's it, number one, I think. That might be up I reckon there. it may yeah. be number one. And for good reason. Don't yep, get me wrong. Yep, amazing, amazing, amazing rookie year. And I want to be clear before we start this segment, I'm not saying go against Matt Rowe personally right now, but I'm saying, could you do it, Louis? He didn't look himself. And, and we've only seen five games of himself because he only played five games in his rookie year. He had all the centre bounces again. I think he led the led the Suns in centre bounces. That's what yep, you want to 20, see. 23 CBAs. Had all the contested possession in the world again. He, he carved up in that. He would have done great in Supercoach. He didn't look himself though. And I think... I. Uh, what do we do? Louis, what do we do? Matt Rowe. Look, I think uh, Matt Rowe as a starting option is obviously a gift. Uh, he's, he's underpriced based on what he did in the first four or five rounds last year, got injured, he's now got that discount. I think, look, he, he is he 19 years old? This is a bloke who doesn't have a lot of AFL experience under his belt. So that match fitness not being there in a preseason game 
does not surprise me at all. I think yeah. Matt Rowe is a special sort of player. There's a reason he's become such a meme, isn't there? I mean, <laughs> he is such a good player. I think at the end of the day, is Matt Rowell a keeper, Dossie? Tell me, is he a keeper? Oh, I mean, given what... He's going to be a keeper for a long time if, if, if he does live up to the expectations of a second-year player. The problem is he's a second-year player and he is priced at an awkward price because that's what... He had such an amazing season last year. He's got to back that up. And we say an amazing season. It was five games. He's also got the discount. So like you're saying, he is a gift. I'm just saying... He didn't look his normal self in the work rate category. He looked his normal self in everything else. I personally, like I said from the top, I think you can stick with him. I'm, I'm just saying he was intriguing to me because I think we all kind of just expected him to come out and dominate. And it wasn't, he did dominate in aspects of the game, but not on fantasy, not in our fantasy classic sense. It was not his best game by that standard. No, and we know he loves his footy. So probably that's why it was such a surprise is because he wasn't just throwing himself in there. I'm a little bit worried that he only had two tackles, Doss. Yeah, especially coming back from that shoulder. Coming back from that shoulder. We've we've seen it with Chris Jard. We've seen it with Gary Ablett. We've seen it with Tom Rockliffe. We've we've seen it with Tom Mitchell. We've probably seen it with more if I I looked at my list. And look, we will move on. But the other thing that I want to say is just Stewie Jew, I think Matt Rowe is your cornerstone of your franchise. He's the cornerstone for Gold Coast. Are they really going to give him a crap load of time on ground and risk him heading into the season well, when he is the guy that you're building your franchise around. Just before we wrap up, that's the thing, isn't it? The messaging out of Gold Coast has been that they're going to take every precaution with Matt Rowe. That being said, I think you pick him. You forget <laughs> yeah. it. I think, I, I think <laughs> yeah. you're picking him because he is potentially, on what we think he can do, a keeper at the end of the year. And that's what we can't say about a lot of the players that are priced around him. Let's get to number three. Who's your third most intriguing here out of the Amy Community Series? Okay, so first of all, I'll say that um, I'm not ranking these. So I've just just come up with a list of players that I think are quite intriguing. Yeah, we'll just say our number three. We've got 30 we're going through. I'm just coming with them to mind as well, but... I think in general, these are the guys that are just popping in our heads and they're the guys that come in. So they're our top 30, Louis. We're, we're sticking by it. All right. Jaden Stevenson. Okay. I like this one. Most intriguing. Good or bad sense? Uh, it's an interesting sense. It's an intriguing sense. As in the score was amazing. But there's been a few questions floating around as well. So I want to know your take here. Yeah. So we, we finally saw him play on the wing. And I say that because in the practice game, we saw him spend time up forward after the messaging from David Noble was that he was going to be a wingman. He's going to be their man up the ground. We didn't see that, but we did no. see that in the Amy Community Series. He scored a nice little 0.85 points per minute. So he showed he was capable of scoring. He's shown he's capable of scoring as a junior. My only concern is there's a lot of outs in that kangaroo side, so many outs. including both wingmen Jared Polek and Trent Dumont on the weekend. So yeah. How much can we read into that score? How much can we read into the fact that he played forward the game before? Is that just yeah. going to be something that it's a it's a volatile role where he sort of splits his time? And I'm just not sure the scoring is going to be as consistent as what we'd like for a 470k price forward. Yeah, look, Louis, I'm going to be avoiding Stevenson. And it's mainly because I think his whole career has been very inconsistent. We saw him come out and explode on his first year at Collingwood. There's no doubt about that. And... He has been doing it. He's been in and out of that sort of... Well, he was in and out of the Collingwood side as well. But new new system, new coach, and, you know, hopefully new faith in him. Had an, a great game. and But like you're saying, I'm avoiding due to just too many questions around a guy that's 470,000, probably going to be a bumpy ride 
And I think you, there's a few safer options out there. Would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. I think uh, for him to sort of pop, you you want a really big score round one. And if he doesn't give you that, and it's going to be painful. Good luck against Port. <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> In round luck. one. That's yeah, round that's one. And, and I just think you, with North, you've got to hope that, you know, the only hope for Stevenson would be that they don't get spanked every week. And I think Hawthorne took it pretty easy on them. And I think... That means... And look, Stevenson scores through his marking. He's often pushing up the ground, getting eight, nine, ten marks, at least in the Collingwood system, where they were a kick mark sort of team. I'm not sure that's going to be there for North. We saw that uh, that Hawthorne took it pretty easy. Uh, When it comes to the real stuff, it's going to be a lot more contested ball and less marks up for grabs. My next most intriguing player, Josh Dunkley. Um, (laughs) And for both the score... And yet the unsettling sense that I'm still not confident in him. He was amazing, wasn't he, Louis? Absolutely amazing. But we knew he was amazing, didn't we? We did. However, the questions are still there, aren't they? And I think you messaged me the same thing. I think we both have the same idea about what Josh Dunkley is. At his best, he's just one of the best scoring fantasy players around. We've seen what he can do at his best. He's averaged over 120 for basically half a season. Playing 129, Dossie. Yeah, as massive. Okay, the questions that we need to answer with Josh Dunkley, though, was is he going to stay in that role? He did for this game. We didn't have Trelaw, though. Is that going to be a huge impact for the center bounce attendances? The thing that I hated about this game, if it is a Bevo says it's a hashtag dress rehearsal, full dress rehearsal. I think Bont said it after the game, actually. He got 74% time on ground. Now, is he going to get 74% time on ground in the real stuff again and not be able to pull that off because they absolutely slaughtered and undermanned no Clayton Oliver-ish Melbourne team. Sure, they had most of the rest of their team. But what, what do you think on Josh Dunkley? You've actually told me you've brought him into your team, so you are confident that he'll keep this up. Yeah, so what I saw from... Well, first of all, I'll say Josh Dunkley from day dot, uh, he was a lock until we found Trelaw was coming into the side. Uh, a lot of coaches are jumping on him now based on that performance, but... The question that we had in the first place still hasn't been answered. How does he score with Adam Trelaw? The reason I've brought Josh Dunkley in is because uh, you talk about having a dress rehearsal. He played accountable football. He was playing on Christian Petrarca at large chunks in that game and was just at 11 tackles. He was just playing a tight little role in there. I think that's going to be his role, sort of a loose tagger, um, contested beast in there. I don't know. I just think... So a bit Jack, a bit Jack Steely almost, bit, like prior bit, to his massive sort of breakout. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. And we know what Dunkley can do, you know, his ceiling. And we saw 11 tackles on the weekend. So I think him in that Steel role could take it up a notch on what we've seen from Steel as a tagger. I'm not saying Josh Dunkley's going to be a tagger, but there was enough to suggest that there is a role. And yeah, I'm all about it, Louis. I, I just wanted to pose the question. He was intriguing to me. The thing that stood out to me that I was scared about was the 74% time on ground, and that's about it, and the fact no, no true law. But he's probably worthy of the risk given that amazing role and given the fact that, that every single dog just scored off the charts. We'll see if that can maintain oh, that. Oh, that, that with the Globetrotters. That looked amazing. Uh, Louis, who's your next uh, most intriguing player here? Okay, so my next intriguing player is Orazio Fantasia. He's probably been someone who popped up on a lot of coaches' radar on the weekend as he went on to go at 1.62 points per minute. I think he scored 73 in just a half of football. 
Unbelievable. And I was at the game. I went with uh, half of the Keeper League pod, and you can catch all the uh, points per minute numbers that we're talking about on uh, keeperleaguepod.com.au. You can catch all the ones from the Amy series there. But Orazio Fantasia, he was outstanding. He was absolutely outstanding. Generally a player that you would speak about on the Keeper League podcast instead. But due to his price point of 350K, he's DPP. He's a forward and a defender. So handy. And we know we're quite light on in defence. So I think he's just a little intriguing one that we can consider if we can't maybe find the funds to get up to somebody that maybe we would prefer. So I just think he's an interesting one. And I think... There's riskier picks out there. I think Orazio Fantasia, especially with Butters and uh, Rosie's gone in for surgery, but with Butters sort of pushing up the ground, I think there's a small forward role for him. So uh, he should be able to hit the scoreboard plenty with uh, Dixon sort of bringing it to his feet. Yeah, he only played about half a game as well and was just amazing, uh, amazing scenes to see Fantasia. But that scoring will be volatile, as we know. Yeah, we will know. But the good thing about him playing as a forward in port is we know they can get it inside 50. Mm. They're one of the, I think they might have been the best inside 50 team last year. Things don't look like they're changing, do they? No, no. It's a manic game style where they pretty much kick it to Dixon. And if it doesn't land in his hands, it goes to his feet and they'll take charge. So. And I was basically, I said to a few Port fans that were getting excited at the game, uh, at the grounds there, some of Hef's mates. I was saying that Fantasia, the only two issues he's had during his career is that he's had injuries, of course, and he's just hated playing at Essendon, which you kind of see on the park sometimes. He just doesn't seem to be fully engaged. He was engaged. I think he ran down Chase Jones. Poor Chase Jones got to, didn't, didn't play too good. Poor but, old uh, Chase Jones. Fantasia had a fantastic game. Moving on to my next most intriguing, and I, I might have to grab out my notes here, Louis. So do you want to do you want to go two in a row? Do you want to have your next most intriguing player? Uh, yeah, no worries, mate. Just catching me off guard. All good, all good. <laughs> Let's just have a look here in my list. I like Jai Simpkin. So we're talking about... Yeah, okay. That's, that's one left. Another one. North Melbourne pick. And this is why I said at the top of this list that these are not in order of my relevance because they play for North Melbourne and they're just not a very relevant fantasy team. But I really like Jai Simpkin this year as a further breakout candidate. So come back and ripping Nick. Both sides of Christmas, he won the time trial. He's been yep. attending plenty of centre bounces in practice games at North. We saw it in the Amy Community Series He's a young midfielder who North are really going to look to rely on these next three, four, five years and sort of use his ball use and ball winning ability. He can hit the scoreboard as well. We saw what he can do with his scoring. Just think that uh, with a little bit added responsibility that he can take the next step. And what was it about the Amy Community Series that sort of tipped you over the edge with him? Because it sort of seems like he was a little bit... I guess underwhelming in the score sense, but you just you just liked what you saw from the eye test. Yeah, just like what I saw. I, I like seeing that he's just playing as a pure inside midfielder, and I think that'll be enough. I like it. It'll be a massive point of difference for the Point of Difference podcast, Louis. So get around Jai Simpkin. He's 676K. It would be a very interesting pick from round one. So Jai Simpkin is our sixth most relevant, uh, most Intriguing. Don't want to touch on your no, boys from the no. coach's panel. Sorry, MJ. Not at all. We'll go to Jaden Short next for my next uh, most intriguing. Isn't he relevant right how, now? How did he drop to <laughs> how did he drop to seventh on the most relevant behind Jai Simpson, I might <laughs> add. But Jaden Short dropping the 170. Louis took us through the oh, performance. That was just mind-boggling, wasn't it? I don't think any coach was ready for that score from Jaden Short on Friday night. Went at 1.69 oh. points per minute. 
Absolutely. It's just ridiculous. Can you imagine if you owned him and it was the real season? You would have been laughing. I know. You'd, you'd be chucking that C on the next week and you may be copping a poor score, though, the next week. Maybe. Really, what do you think on him? Because we are the first, you know, this has been the, the big storyline out of the weekend, I reckon, started from the first game of the round. He's a ball, he's an amazing ball user. He's a meters gain merchant. And he was the guy who came out scoring massively. It seems like we've sort of kept that idea in our heads as fantasy coaches across the whole weekend and sort of been looking at players that are similar sort of players and have been sort of extra- extrapolating that and saying, are these the guys that are going to score? He was the first one to do it. Are you confident he's going to be a classic option this year, even though he's sort of already priced pretty highly given his performance uh, last year? Yeah, he is kind of awkwardly priced. He had a little bit of a breakout last year. Um there's no Hawley in that team at the moment who does play that he role, but washed. he's sort he of being be. ushered out. Yeah. yeah, not Wash. Sorry, sorry. Hawley is still a fantastic player, but certainly not the player he was a few years ago. No. And it looks like Short is the man, doesn't it? It does look like he's the man. I guess I'm just probably a little bit hesitant because, I don't know, Richmond aren't a massively high-scoring fantasy team, and Jaden Short historically hasn't been a high ceiling player either so this is the big thing with richmond i think it's the same for the saints and i've probably got a couple of saints coming up in this intriguing list do the new rules benefit these teams more to get a higher score because they're able to hit targets they're not going to get those 45s chopped off and they're able to actually get a few more plus sixes maybe through the ground with those short chip kicks to advance it forward now don't have the stats on me to back that up right now (laughs) but hey he scored pretty well what do you think Oh, look, it, I think it depends on game style, doesn't it? I mean, um, not every halfback flanker was scoring amazingly on the weekend. It's just that Richmond player game style where they thrust the ball forward very quickly and sort of catch you on the back foot. So maybe it's a trend with those types of teams, but it's really interesting. And I think Jaden Shaw, he could be a bargain at 700k, but I just don't want to touch it. You don't want to touch it? I'm sort of in the similar boat. I think guys around that price... There's a few more that tempt me, but I may be wrong. We, we may have just witnessed the... Not no, the new it wouldn't Jayden be the Short, first time. Not the new Jaden Short, but um, maybe, you know, a little bit less than 170. He may, might get to the over 100 mark this year. It would be interesting to see. Who's your next most intriguing player on the list, Louis? All right, so my next most intriguing player is actually Ben McAvoy. So I like this one. He was, yeah, on, a little he was bit- on my sort of group that I was going to say as well. Promising signs for coaches that were already keen on him because it looks like he's the number one ruckman. Segler was pretty much spending time forward, chopping out in the ruck, but as we know, Segler's a better forward than he is a ruckman, I think. Uh, as a new captain of the side, we forget that, even though he's probably past his fantasy scoring peak, going into his first year as captain, sole ruckman, uh, historically he's been an 80 to 85 plus guy in fantasy, and his defensive ruck option. I don't like him as a ruck pick. I like him as a defensive pick. I like that too. And and sorry, what was his price again? He's in the 400K mark, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's around about 470. 477, yeah. I've got it right here. And versing Essendon first round as well. I actually was keeping a close eye on him because, as you know, uh, Louis, throughout the Amy Community Series, my team changes maybe 200 times a day. Yep, McAvoy was in my team at the start of the Amy Community Series. I've actually flipped him out just based on structure, not based on performance. I had a real close eye on him. He started at the opening centre bounce. Clearly, you know, last year he wasn't. He was at about a centre half back, I think, playing a lot of defensive role. Hence, he's got the defensive status. He looks to be the number one choice again. And I'm going to be really intrigued because 
Segler might not have a spot in that team after the Kaczynski performance, who we're probably going to hear about later on in your rookie rankings, possibly. But, you know, he kicks six snags. They've still got Mitch Lewis to come back in that side. Is Segler going to be good enough to keep in front of Mitch Lewis and Kaczynski when, you know, you've got McAvoy playing as an uh, as an as the number one choice ruckman and performing well. He played forward ruck in this game, as in ruck forward. He wasn't playing in defense at all. That's a great point. And Denver, Granger Barrasaur is to come into this side down back too, which you would assume he debuts early-ish in the season. So McAvoy isn't going back there. I think he's going to be the sole ruckman. And like you said, Segler, yeah, he might be up against it. I'm sure the Saints would love him. Yeah, yeah. 477k though for McAvoy, one to certainly consider. Another of the massively most intriguing players, Jordan Dugowie. Uh, a huge game um, on the weekend. But missing Taylor Adams, Louis, are you still... To me, this was the most obvious one where last year I didn't pick up Petrarca based on his performances in the uh, JLT community series from last year. This year, we've only got the one-game sample size. It's absolutely brutal to have this one-game sample size. But Jordan Degoe showed a lot of those similar traits that Petrarca did last year and looks tempting at 600k. And it's consistent with what Collingwood have told us the whole off-season and whole pre-season is that Jordan Degoe is lining it up in the midfield. He had a little bit of a setback. He had a torn glute or something like that about a month ago. He's returned to training straight back into that midfield group. It's just whether or not that split's going to remain the same in the regular season. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. What are you, are you starting with him yourself? Uh, there's a little bit too much risk for me. I think he's still very much an impact per possession player rather than an accumulator, but haven't seen him just play pure midfield either. Yeah. You know, he's been a sort of a 30-70 forward guy. And Trelaw out of the side might help his case. Taylor Adams obviously was missing from this game, though, so we do have to reiterate but that. But Stevenson also out of that side too, so it does Cut. swing both ways. That's true. 1.42 points per minute as well to check that out on the keepleaguepod.com.au, but very intriguing points per minute numbers. Louis, who's your next player? Uh, this is number 10 on our list. Number 10. Steaming through it, mate. I've got one right here, Zach Merritt, who... Oh, yeah. Not a massive point of difference anymore, unfortunately. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of hoping that... You were one that was devastated when he went Oh, off. yeah. I saw, I saw the CBAs the week before in the practice game, and I thought, oh, here we go. Here's Zeret yeah. in the midfield, attending centre bounces. And uh, not everyone had sort of clued in yet, but uh, I think the lid is off. Went at 1.33 points per minute. I think he went over 130, and... Uh, he's locked in a lot of teams at M1 now. He came straight into my team after that game. And I've been talking to yourself included, a bunch of high-end fantasy people that know their shit. And I tell you what, Zach Merritt was probably in most of their teams. Yeah. Ticks a lot of boxes. He wasn't in mine, which probably tells me something about my own skills, Louis. But he certainly came straight in after that. And we saw how he did at the end of last year, um, attending more center bounces, not being stuck out on that wing. And it's... He has the potential to outscore his price, which is kind of one of those things that you're looking for in your starting squad, of course. And, and you would have presumed that was Rutten's influence as well, being the latter half of the season and changing over coaches. Yeah. So great signs for him as our 10th. Most intriguing. Look. Most intriguing. Most intriguing. Tim Taranto, my number 11. And just because he, he showed exactly what we wanted as well, a similar thing to Zach Merritt, just attended a lot of center bounces in there, was great for his his points per minute and just showed us everything we want. I don't think there's much more to say about Tim Taranto. No, I no, think he's just really an absolute lock. Pick. 
Yeah. He's just a, he's just a lock at his price. We've seen what he can do before and uh, just love that pick. Love Louis, who's the next uh, most intriguing? Argo is teammate and also the guy who I think is going to be just behind Zach Merritt as the top averaging midfielder this year. And he is a massive point of difference. Josh Kelly. Yeah, Josh Kelly. Now, this is probably... Okay, this is intriguing. Let's let's hear it. So, we know what Josh Kelly is. He's a 115 guy. The previous three years before COVID, he played 14 games last year. So, he wasn't injured too much, but just averaged the 106. So, he comes in priced at that this year. It's potentially nine points underpriced on what he's been doing pretty much the last three to four years. So, I just think... Really intriguing pick by all, uh, pick by all reports. His preseason has been flawless. Just think, if he can play every single game, that might be a bloke that can really just catapult you into the top 1,000, top 100, top one. Who knows? <laughs> now, uh, Kelly's actually one that sort of I made way for merit because I took Kelly out of my side. And, and obviously, the price is much juicier, 10 points under price compared to merit. Why I think both of us are leaning towards merit. There's just that safety aspect of, you know, I don't actually know what GWS is going to be this year. It, it's going to be hard. To, you know, we know that Zach Merritt's the main man in Essendon. GWS have always these question marks about their midfield. And Kelly seems to always kind of maybe start on the wing and then move inside and have that rotation. Is that why he's maybe just being underrated as a pick? As opposed uh, possibly, to but if we're following the trends of the Amy Community Series, you'd probably think Josh Kelly would be right up there and scoring, you know, 150s in a game style like that. So probably a double-edged sword, but I just think um, flawless preseason, contract year as well. This is oh, yeah. a bloke who's probably going to take in, you know, the best part of the salary cap <laughs> wherever he goes or at GWS. So I just think... Yeah. You know, I, th- I think he's a really good pick for the, 2021. The contract year is such a debated topic, I think, sometimes. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a believer myself. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. <laughs> it depends on the player, but I certainly am I'm a believer myself. Uh, number 13 on most intriguing is Jordan Clark. I knew he would pop up. Yep. Jordan Clark was pretty much the star of the show on Friday night, wasn't he? Yes. I was throwing around some memes, some Lockie Whitfield memes, and... I seriously just saw so much similarity. It's a good comparison. Yeah. The, the, the moment I saw him, I think it was even in the first quarter, take kick-ins after being just ever on the ground. So he was working from defense, mm-hmm. suddenly on a wing, playing forward. You know, he was just all kicking over the and kicking snags. Just literally Lockie Whitfield-esque. And the moment I saw that, I was like, Matt, he's, he's straight in my squad. And I... Yes, it's reactionary. Yes, it's one game. But I saw signs the week before in the trial match too. And I, I messaged you you guys in our group chat. I was like, gee, look, Jordy Clark, he's just Taking lots he, of marks. He was yeah. in my team the week before. i got to say, as I said, I make lots of changes. He floated in and out a couple of times in between those games. The moment I saw him play with a close-ish to full-strength Geelong side, sure, there was a few out. He's, he's just locked in my team now. Yeah, so he, he came into my side after that practice game yeah. as well over Isaac coming. I just saw a little bit from him that I thought, geez, this bloke, Adelaide round one, mind you, exactly. kick mark game it's style huge. at Geelong. I think that someone at his price could really pop round one, and that's what you actually need. My only concern is you're talking about he was like Lockie Whitfield. <laughs> What? I, I, I do jump the gun on, on the young oh, no, players no, no. sometimes. I, I understand exactly what you're saying, but what, what's Lockie Whitfield's role? He just roams around the ground exactly. and does what he likes. So 
are they giving that to Jordan Clark, such a young player, especially when they've got, you know, your Sean Higgins, your Isaac Smiths that they've brought in, Mitch Duncan, who's a week away That was the big one that was missing was Mitch Duncan, I reckon, because he's, you know, he's a 110 guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's traditionally a 105 to 110 guy in the last couple of years. That's a lot of points. But just from what I saw from Jordy Clark, I think given his price, you know, low 400s, I, I still think, regardless of if he, he's not going to be Lockie Whitfield for the whole year. No, no. But he might be that 85 guy, that, and that's plenty for 400K. Look, I think in a game like this, Dossie, when you're playing only one real hit out, I think kick-ins come at a premium. And the fact that he had five kick-ins, yeah. I don't know, maybe it just suggests that he's going to be sort of a little bit of a general down there. And, and he played on from, I think, all of them. It's good well. on him. I, th- I think all the players know to do uh, that these uh, days. Just one more point on Jordy Clark and we'll move on. I just love the, the fact I, I mentioned to you as well, off-air, the commentators at, at, in the fourth quarter, they're like, gee, he had a quiet third quarter, but he's coming out firing in the fourth. Yeah, yeah. He didn't play the third quarter, Louis. Makes so sense. He scored his it? score in three quarters. Gee, he was slack though, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Only the 135. Uh, pretty slack. All right, let's get to our next player. Who's the next player? Okay, someone who probably was a little bit slack on the weekend. A lot of coaches, including myself, mm. may have just made, at least been playing with a little bit of an adjustment. That was Riley O'Brien. O'Brien. Okay. Riley O'Brien. So he went up against Scott Lysette. So I'll preface this by saying that. Yes. He's a pretty tough Ruckman to score against, but, you know, it just didn't look great. It seemed like the ball use that we've been talking about this whole podcast went over his head and it went to the player behind him. He wasn't getting those contested marks and, and the marks along the wing that we saw from him last year when he averaged mm. 120 in the last five games of the season. i I got to say... Riley O'Brien, I was walking with Hef, as I said, we were at the game with, with Hollywood, uh, and I was looking at Riley O'Brien, the way, <laughs> it, it sounds trivial, the way he was running, it, he runs very, very- Very weird. Very awkward gait. Strange and I said, kick too. I, I said to Hef, I was walking, I brought my, we were actually leaving the game, Hef had to leave early and- do some points per minutes for the uh, for the fans at home. He, he's a very dedicated man. He left his laptop in the car. He had to go back to the laptop to sort those out. As we walked back, I looked across and I saw the, the back of Riley O'Brien running. I saw his legs flying all over the place. And I said, Louis, that's it. Went straight on the app, out of my tank. Yeah, he sort of looks <laughs> like he's trying to run under a door. Every- I just don't try. <laughs> oh, it's, such a, it's such a weird thing well, to do. But I was like, I just don't trust. Yeah. I know, I know uh, what you mean, but what I will see, say is that it, does match the pattern of scoring we did see from some of the Ruckman we wanted to see more out of during the week. But, yeah, look, the Crows, they were unable to control the ball and just one mark from Riley O'Brien's a little bit concerning. Riley O'Brien, last year, the last five games, Crows were actually competitive and that's when he did average that 120 going into the latter half of the season. That's a good point. It's one to consider if if they're not going to share the ball or if they're not even going to possess the ball. And let's be honest, they were pretty uncompetitive. Uh, what does that mean for Rob? Yes, you get more centre bounces, but that's only a hit out. He's actually going to have to get his hands on the footy, and that's my concern, especially the yeah. marks. And it wasn't just running. It was also those factors that, that got me to take <laughs> Mostly the running for me, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Running, <laughs> running. All right, my next most intriguing, Jack Higgins. 
for St. Kilda. A spicy little one there. 560K around that sort of mark. And he is in my squad at the... Oh, actually, I've taken him out, but I do that daily. (laughs) I love Jack Higgins and I loved his game. And I want to go through a theory that I've thrown your way in the past. There's a little thing called observable thirst, Louis. Observable thirst. Observable thirst. Taught to be by a friend from work called Joe. He, He... said that there's a statistic that is not measured on paper or simple stat sheet and it's called observable thirst and this means it's a it's something you can't really tell louis apart from watching a player and jack higgins possesses the most observable thirst i maybe have ever seen what it is is the the willingness for someone to want the footy when they don't have it and jack higgins is off the charts for this category. So so what does that look like, Dossie? It looks like screaming. It looks like bursting vessels in your <laughs> in your head to get the footy back. And you should see his arms flailing around to say, I'm open, I'm open. His arms are waving all over the joint. That is how much Jack Higgins wants the footy. And what do we need for fantasy, Louis? We, well, need, we need them to get the footy. We do need them to get the footy. And that's all he wants. And that's all I need in my team, a guy that wants the footy that much. I think the Saints have shown in the past, last year we saw Dan Butler score pretty well as a small forward. And Jack Higgins as a junior, you know yourself. Elite scoring, yep. Elite scorer. I think even if he plays as a forward, I think he'll produce the some of the scores that we need. At that price, not too bad. And I like him as a point of difference. Your next most intriguing. Observable thirst. I like it, Dossie. <laughs> Just... Hashtag observable thirst Hashtag on, on observable Twitter thirst. for us, would you? All right. Well, I'm going to pick up an interesting one that I that caught my eye just last night, actually. That was Will Brody. Wow. Okay. And I think uh, I'm just gauging your your face here, Dossie. He's probably one of your boys. No, he's no. not. I think, I think the draft doctor's uh, Stevie Fizz uh, uh, is the man yep. that is a big Will Brody fan. He's, he's held his stonks. Well, I can understand why. The lid is off on Will Brody, I think. Shaved 30 seconds off of his time trial. That's a big... That's that's probably... Uh, And coaches that really... to before. Yeah, coaches that wanted an excuse to pick Brody were retweeting that one. They really liked that. Forward eligible, right? Forward eligible, 503k. So his price, 1k more than Jai Caldwell. 1.09 points per minute on the weekend and attended 15 centre bounces. You're joking. I'm not joking at all. So I'm just thinking this is a bloke who's averaged 88 from, from eight games in 2019. He's only played one game since. I'm out. I don't know. Like, there's a bit of potential there. I'm out. I don't trust Stewie Jew. I don't trust him after yeah, what he did Yeah, Stewie not your man. After what he, he did to the GOAT, Ferrini. I don't trust him. Uh, who was missing from the centre bounce is what I'd say. Because when it comes to season proper, you're going to see the guys that I don't think necessarily worthy of the center bounces your david swallows you might see a sean lemons in there again i know he's moved him to a half back but it wouldn't surprise me if you saw i just don't trust you know isaac rankin didn't play this game i know they're trying to get mm. him more midfield time good point i think they're gonna play rankin over Brody. We, we just know that don't we uh, i'd much prefer the safety of a caldwell who's come to the essendon for a specific role to play midfield and they're going to try and get the time into him will Brody. I think they were exploring options to dump him last year, and I, I, I don't trust that Stewie Jew will give him the role this year. But yeah, I, I think so. It would be a massive point of difference, and mm. I think if you're sort of tossing up between Coldwell and you're looking for a little bit more risk, maybe Brody's your man. 
Might be a nice option though. He's shown more scoring. Keep, anyway. keep an eye on it, especially if he's named and he's, say, on the team sheet, on the on-ball. I do get sometimes tricked by the team sheets, but maybe have a look for that one. If you're going to go against Caldwell, it's maybe a uniquer option. I'm going to go back to the Saints now with Brad Hill as my as the 17th and our most intriguing here. We've seen, as we talked about with the guys, the ball users, the Jaden Short, Brad Hill, last year, there was a concerted effort by Brett Ratton, half, I think it was about three quarters of the way through the season, to get Brad Hill more involved in the game plan, and they started giving him the footy to get to work. Now, he's only priced at 557000 so that's an average of seventy-two. Now, Louis, I think you've got the numbers on you. What has he gone at in the past? He's gone much better than that. Yeah, so once again, catching me off guard, Dossie, but I think he's gone... <laughs> 84, 88, and 88 in the last three years, or it might be a mixture of those. I in a cheeky 90 in there, to be honest. Yeah, so he, he's a guy who can score, and this was at Fremantle as well as Hawthorne. So I think now that he's in the St Kilda system, who are now actually producing fantasy scoring because they're improving on field. Uh, a few teething issues last year because obviously a new team coming from Fremantle. He ticks a lot of boxes. I think he's he's certainly underpriced. Well, he's well Whether underpriced. Whether or not he has the ceiling. His last five game average last year is 86.6 and he's priced at 72. And I think he goes better than that. I think he goes better than 86. If you're trying to, if we're saying that guys that are good ball users are going to get more of the pill because you want to, you can easily exploit it better. You can use their kicking better. I think Brad Hill is one of the guys that's underrated, mainly because he's a midfielder. But he's 557K and I think we're selecting players at that price regardless. I think he's definitely got a 95 plus in him, which is a massive improvement. That would be his career best average as well. And I, well, well if, he's gonna, if he's going to get it, it's going to be in a year where kick is a, at a premium. Yeah, look, might need to work on his observable thirst, I think. He <laughs> 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 might be onto something there. Louis, who's number 18? The most intriguing. Have we spoken about Patrick Dangerfield? We have not. No, we haven't. So... He's someone we probably weren't speaking about three or four weeks ago because the news out of Geelong was that Dangerfield was behind on his preparation yes. where he would be previously, that he might not play a preseason game, that he would be touch and go for round one. Of course, as fantasy coaches, we can't pick him based on that, but played the practice game, played the Amy Community Series, scored 0.93 points per minute, played a low time on ground and scored a nice little 86. You're locking him in at F1, aren't you? You would if you had the cash. Unfortunately, I don't, Louis, but yeah. <laughs> you think you, you reckon him and, him and Dunkley are right now, I'm assuming you're F1, F2. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And that's pretty much a solid, you'd, you'd say that's a solid pick. They're two guys that are going to be playing inside mid. And if Danger does that, good luck because he's going he's gonna to score some pretty nice scores. But I do say getting on, you know, not... He's not done. He's 30, what, 30 this year, 31? Yeah, probably about that. I just noticed, like, I, I looked on one of the footy-wise, disposals dropping yearly, and we can attribute that to more forward time. Is there that much upside in him, and do we just have that potential for the injury risk, or is it just a no-brainer given that there's not that many premium, premium forwards, and we've seen enough right now? Well, his body hasn't been getting banged up in the midfield the last few years. So you could look at it that he's actually a little bit fresher than what he was when he was putting yeah. up those 110-plus averages. They went and got Sean Higgins, Isaac Smith, Jeremy Cameron in the off-season. There's no spot for him up forward. I like it. He's going into the midfield. He's going 110, I think. All right. He's our 18th most intriguing. 
going to get on to my next player. And it, it's a it's another little mid-pricer because we do like our mid-pricers. We do, here. yes. I've got one that I watched play on the weekend, Andrew McPherson. One of my boys, Dossie. You're one of my boys. You're familiar with the Andy McPherson. I am extremely familiar with Might Andy Might even just McPherson. live down the road from old Lou Dog, I believe. But uh, Yes, he does. Andy- well, not anymore. I think he's in a big mansion oh, now. But- <laughs> he's, upgra- he's upgraded. He's got the. He's got a new contract. But he was rocking a new hairdo, actually, as well. He's got a new barber as I well. I noticed that. Very curly, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> it was, yeah. We actually didn't. When I first saw him, I didn't know who he was. I was like, because I'm very familiar with him at first and I watched him closely last year. I liked, I liked what he did. I actually had him in the draft doctor's draft kit that we did. I had him ranked pretty well in terms of what I thought he could score. Then since we pu- published that kit, Miller went injured, went down injured as well. So I'd even say I'm probably slightly more higher than what I had in there. I think he's a genuine, nice mid-priced option. We... We see Laird move into the midfield. Who's the guy that's going to be ratting around for disposals back there? I saw McPherson do a whole heap of ratting on the weekend, I'll tell you that much. The role's open, Dossie. I mean, someone can put their hand up and take that role. We saw what Laird was able to do as a halfback flanker. Andrew McPherson, he's always been a midfielder wingman when he was a junior, but he's found a spot down in halfback. Not a massive accumulator, though, but we saw last year he was taking sort of four, five, six marks across halfback too so he's an interesting mid-pricer I worry that he's a bit more of a stopper he spent a bit of time on Robbie Gray uh, really like actually practicing how to defend Robbie Gray and sort of yeah you know you talk about observable thirst that was observable defense you know? I see that the thing is though as soon as defense is over I see his thirst on attack he's actually yes, one yeah. that I would say observable thirst is you know if Jack Higgins is 100% because I've never seen anything thirstier than the Hig. <laughs> <laughs> McPherson might be about at 80%, which is pretty good for a defender. I, I, I don't mind him, Dossie. I like options at his price instead of him. But I reckon I reckon you maybe on that draft kit, you're onto something there, old Dossie. <laughs> might be onto something. Number 20, we've got 10 to go. We might power through these, Louie, I reckon. So let's, yes. just do, let's just go quickly. Who's your number 20? All right, so uh, let's talk about Jai Coldwell really quickly. Uh, in a lot of teams, 0.87 points per minute. Attended most centre bounces, didn't play a whole lot of time on ground, didn't have a massive score, nothing to be concerned about. No, I'm, I'm all in as well. Let's talk about the next one, our 21, Zach Butters. Zachy Butters, carved another up. one of my boys. Absolutely carved up. Is he in your squad at the moment? He, he looked impressive, playing a bit more midfield time this year. With Connor Rosie out as well, um, we've learned that he's going to go in for surgery. Probably missed just a couple of weeks. Look, you've got the thing that, that intrigues me on our list here for Zach Butters as well. Round one, you've got North Melbourne. Mm. And I think you can just start your season with a bang. And I don't think he's going to disappoint you in terms of an average. He's going to improve his average. But you might just get yourself off to an awesome start because we saw them smash Adelaide and Port looked incredibly impressive. If you just start butters from round one, you're going to get an awesome return. You're going to make make some serious coin straight away and get some serious return, in my opinion. I really like him. I think... The messaging has been clear. He's going to be playing up the ground. We've seen him attending centre bounces. Uh, he had decent junior numbers. We saw that he was probably a surprise scorer last year and had a little bit of ceiling, even though his average probably wasn't massive. So we have seen that ceiling, but we've also seen that floor. And that's the problem with Zach Butters because he can have a best on ground game and only touch the footy eight times. Yeah, That's my concern. I think still maybe an impact per possession player, but... 
as a pod, I actually still really like him. I think there's enough to suggest that he can find a bit more of the footy. And Port love to kick and mark the footy on the wings there. And he's another guy, observable thirst. Is I now was just, just about the buzzword. Say, yep. Honestly, but he, you see, I think if you Googled his name, it would come up with him screaming for the footy. So. <laughs> he loves it. He's, he does what he's one that waves his arms around when he's open. And he got a fair few marks on the weekend. Sure, it was. Um, as Calvin likes to say, the witches' hats. They they certainly were running around uh, not knowing what to do, the Crows. Uh, who's your next player on the most intriguing? Okay, so my next player, and really intriguing one for me, actually, because he was someone I pretty much had locked in my side most of the preseason, James Harms. Okay, yep. And this is, a, this is the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm guessing, not impressed. No, and probably the opposite end of the spectrum in saying to look for the role, too, because... He had the role that I wanted. He attended 20 centre bounces. Um, but, oh, he sucks, Doss. He is so <laughs> bad at football, it's not funny. I, I was just running around like a chook with its head cut off. Uh, there was no Brayshaw, no Viney, and Oliver didn't play. So maybe he's a better fantasy scorer when there's better players around him, which, you know, we, we've seen that when uh, good players are better with good players around them. But... Gee, I don't know. With um, with Brayshaw and Viney probably returning rounds one or two, Oliver will definitely be there round one. He's already the fourth or fifth best midfielder. Yeah, I was never interested in Harms, and you nearly made me spit all over our equipment here when I had a mouthful of water before when you said Harms sucks. But it, it is unfortunately it's true from the fantasy sense. I'm not interested in him. But if you were keen and you see the role. And the role is there. And it appears, though, they will try and persist with him. Who knows? Maybe he just had an off game and, and you'll get better return in a week. I'm sort of not... Yeah, I, I'm in the camp of I wouldn't go near him. My next most intriguing player is Toby Nankervis for Ooh. Richmond. And this is an interesting one because he barely scored. But you know what? He barely played as well. He had one of the higher points per minute. And it's more um, confirmation for me because... I was looking at his price and I liked his price and he's only um, in the 500s as well. He's only 556K. I think it was when I noticed the Riley O'Brien running gate <laughs> and it was when we sort of saw poor performances from a lot of our rucks. I just went to a team, Richmond, that we know is fairly comfortable in open space, probably going to use the ball pretty well. It's probably going to maybe be a bit more scoring, you know, it might just be fool's goal to think there is going to be more scoring with the new rules. I think we might just see a regression to the mean anyway after some high-scoring early games. I just like Nank at his price. He's underpriced for what he can perform. And, you know, with a bargain in the ruck, I much prefer starting him on field than a Lloyd Meeker or Matt Flynn, just from my perspective. I think I'd rather pay up, have those guys as cash gen, have Nank scoring better than than what they will. <laughs> Nank, Nank finished the season in really good form as well. Sort of embarrassed Scott Lysette, who we were talking about just, just before. I think he's a really good option. He's, a, he's an 85-plus guy when he's been given that sole ruck position. There's no um, uh, Ivan Soldo. Maybe Marby or Charles, a little bit of a concern, but I think they might just chop out with Bolter. So we'll see. But I don't mind him as a pick. He's certainly cheap, Doss. He's not going to hurt you at his price. No, not at all. He's definitely going to improve his price. But, you know, maybe you you might have convinced me even to maybe go with a cheeky McAvoy who's even cheaper. Um, 
given what you said about him as well and given what we sort of saw as him being a, a number one ruck option again. If, if Segler's not named, I'll probably just cash down and grab 50K and go with McAvoy. Yep. Who's, who's next on your most intriguing? Well, I'll go to the bloke who McAvoy was feeding it to all day, which was Tom Phillips. Because he yes, was... Yes, how did it take this long? That was an oversight by me as he well. He was I attending mean. centre bounces, Dossie. What he was, was he doing there? Well, we've seen it for a couple of weeks, and maybe it's because a certain big name in there is missing, though. Tom, uh, Tom Mitchell, of course, not playing, uh, who's going to be a big attendee. But the Hawks are just a young, inexperienced side, and sorry, Jago Mira wasn't there either. So that, that's Or Wingard, who's Wingard. sort of been moved into that midfield right I still too. think he's going to get some centre bounces. It's not going to be this extreme. Um but he can score on a wing. We saw that at Collingwood. We saw that at the end of the game when he was just finding all that space. Wow. 69 S- points in the fourth quarter. Crazy. That is what we love to see as fantasy coaches. That is why we picked Jake Lloyd, because he can do that. And, gee, it's, set, it's 600K, rather. So lock and load? Oh, yeah. You'd right. have to, wouldn't you? 25th. Is he not in your side, Dossie? He's in. He's in. He's in. I just wanted to confirm with you. My 25th guy here, Jimmy Webster. Yes, a nice one. And someone who probably wasn't on the radar at all. No, I want you to talk about him because I I probably didn't see as much of this game as you did. And I think you've sort of kept a close eye on him in the preseason. Yeah, I have because he's a 316k defender. He's mature age. I think he's maybe sort of getting into that 27, 28 range. I'll get into some research. You keep going. But uh, scored at 0.57 points per minute, which isn't jumping off the page, but He's averaged 72 before in that Saints back line as sort of a rebounding defender. He can also play tall, which maybe that's good for his job security with the long-term injuries of Ben Patton and James Frawley. So I just think that maybe he's a better pick than Isaac Cumming. I don't necessarily think he's a good pick, but a better pick. And because we've, we're so light in that defensive sort of area... He's just nicely think, priced. Yeah. Keep an eye around one to see if he's still named and still going to be in that nice role now 27 years old which according to cam from the draft doctors that's the career year and i have seen it come off a couple of times so 27 years old maybe you just maybe that combined with his cheap price you just lock him in let's get to the next player 26 louis easy so i want to talk about another one that we haven't well probably should have spoken about rory laird oh okay yep I think it's because I've just, one. I've just locked him in. For, He's got the role, Dossie. I just wanted to mention it. It would be <laughs> remiss of me not to. Rory Laird has the role. If you already had him, lock him in. If you didn't, consider. It was a confirmed role, and and that's all we needed to but say. Just quickly, can we touch on Lloyd? Because Lloyd didn't play. Yeah, sure. So he's probably the D1. Where do you sit with Jake Lloyd, Dossie? I think you can't pay up for too many of those players in your, what? what's he priced at, 114, what he averaged last uh, year? Yeah, 873K. I just think you can't pay up for basically more than one of those players, or, or two, sorry. So like the guys that I have in that category that I'm willing to pay for that are very highly priced are Grundy and Merritt right now, after what I saw on the weekend. I don't know if there's any others I'm willing to pay up, unless you want to go, you know, if you don't have one of those guys if you trust, say, see, Lockie Neal overpriced, Max Gorn for me overpriced, given given what they. So, so you're thinking Lloyd's overpriced at one fourteen, or 
I just don't think roundabouts yeah, doesn't offer value, does he? I don't think he. I don't think he can improve. I'll put it that way. I no, think the no. Swans back line is incredibly strong, and we've seen in the past couple of years they've had the best, one of the best defenses uh, in in the competition, back sixes, and he's managed to score well every year. I just think maybe the Swans are a little bit, little bit more improved this year, or or can play a little bit better footy that they don't need to do that back line movement as much. What's well, interesting you say that, Dossie, because. Braden Campbell was a rookie that was drafted at the end of last year. Already a top three kicking player in the what competition. About Goulden too. Goulden's an Gould, amazing Goulden very good, too. but Campbell yes. seriously rated yeah, as top two kick. or three in the competition yeah. already. Yeah. Surely they're going to want it in his hands. Yeah, it's and I mean you've got Dawson, who's an amazing kick as well. I, I'm not saying Lloyd's. I still love Lloyd as a pick. Oh, I'm starting as Lloyd. A, you're starting him. I'll so start Lloyd. There you go. I'm, I'm just saying, like I think I prefer in that 800k bracket. It's probably based on preference. I think Merritt's going to go potentially much higher. Maybe one, you know, higher end could be like a 120. Yeah. I don't see Lloyd going 120. And that, that's the higher end of outcome for And you've got, you've got the reassurance that they're out centre bounces. So, yeah. you know, if it's stuck in Sydney's forward line, which I have no idea why it would be, uh, yeah. <laughs> then Jake Lloyd's uh, not going to be. To be honest as well, Lou, I just think there's more value. And I might I might uh, jump in here with my next most intriguing player yes, who's like been it. in my squad from start to finish. I think he's one of the rare players that I haven't made an 8,000 changes on. Caleb Daniel. Really? Caleb Daniel wow. has been in my team from day dot and has not moved. And he's got Collingwood round one as well. Obviously, you don't pick someone <laughs> on their round one score, but we know defenders against Collingwood, thanks to the draft doctors, Ooh, absolutely yeah. ripped to shreds. Big time. Houston Caleb Daniel. Had, Houston had his career top score in round 18 last year against Collingwood. I just had to mention that because he won me my fantasy classic <laughs> league. So. You've got to love that. And you always remember those scores. That's it. Caleb Daniel was priced at 88.4. He averaged... 120 in his last three, 102 in his last five. I think they're just, we're talking about guys that they're going to get the ball in their hands. I feel like he cruised after quarter time. And what did he have in the first quarter? About 11 disposals or maybe even more. And I think he's the guy that I really want. If the, if you're saying the Western Bulldogs are going to be like the Harlem Globetrotters, I think that's used a bit, that's been used a bit too much in the, in the AFL world. But I did hear you say it first, uh, Louis. So. Oh, thank you. Then they're going to score a crap load, aren't they? And they're, they're going to want to be sharing hands. the ball around. He's and they're going to put it in user. his hands to do so. I saw him do some amazing kicks, but as he always does, uh, there's a Twitter account dedicated to his amazing kicks. Yeah, I'll, I follow that. Yep. I've just had him in my team from day dot and he's not moving. Just worried about when Caleb Daniel needs to play defence. He doesn't. That's the point. Well, I know he doesn't. He doesn't. He's in the team. He's but he's there have been times where centimeters. He's not going to play. There have defense. been times where opposition coaches have made him play defense because they've lined up a player on him. That's okay. my only concern. Because let's be honest, he's their quarterback. He's directing traffic. Beautiful user of the ball. Yes. So, but I like it, Dossie. I do like that one. We're down to our last three, Louis. Who have you got? Oh, geez. Top three. So that's, oh, geez. That's a little bit of pressure right there, Dossie. Do we want to touch on... These are our last three, though, aren't they? Do we want to touch on the two <laughs> big ruckmen as one? Okay. Grundy and Gorn? I like that. I like that. A joint one. A joint one because they're pretty relevant. A lot of coaches would have both, I think. Yep. So Brody Grundy will start off on the Friday night. When at 0.77 points per minute, is that anything to be concerned about? I don't think so, and mainly because the last couple of years... Now, last year can be... Can we exclude Brody Grundy's 2020 season? 
Can we exclude that from our frame of mind when we're thinking about Grundy or is that too fresh in our minds to forgive his poor season last season? Uh, I that's mean, the first thing you've got to, that's the first thing you've got to think of. Can you think that that is not what Brody Grundy's going to be like this year? Can you forget about Brody Grundy's 114 averaging 2020 season? <laughs> is what you're asking me. <laughs> and it was a poor season. It was a poor season. That's the point. Pick him. Yes. Pick Just him. pick him. We're both on the same page Underpriced. Underpriced. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. And, and I think the thing that makes me more confident as well... I've seen him cruise in the preseason before. You sent us a great stat from somebody out in the Twitter sphere. His preseason versus regular season, he always cruises preseason. Yep. Doesn't get out of first gear at all. Doesn't Never. need to. Never. I remember there was one season where there was some issues with his foot, I think. Two years ago? Yeah, it was that the no, it was a knee rumor or something. I there was think. some sort of rumor floating around. He actually kicked the whole game basically. I remember watching closely because he was in my squad. Watching closely, kicked left foot the entire JLT or whatever it was called back then, Marsh, played trash. Absolutely trash. Round one, just back to his 140s. Yep. And yep. he averaged 120 for that season. So I just don't trust anything I see in uh, in the preseason. So we, I will what about just, Gorn, oh, well, no, hang on. On Grundy, I will just mention, just quickly, are you concerned about Darcy Cameron or Mason Cox? No, I think no. They're, they both played really well. Yeah, they both played pretty well forward, didn't they? Yeah, they're just not Ruckman. They're not, they, no. they, they're not great at Ruckman. I'd say Darcy Cameron's probably a better chance at playing Ruckman. Uh, uh, Cox just got pushed off the ball and he's no, he's not Ruck. You don't give a bloke a seven-year contract not to play him as a Ruckman. Yeah. All right. Uh, Gorn, though. What about Gorny. Gorn? So he's probably on the other end of the spectrum where he's quite overpriced based on what we've well, not, not based on anything really, but probably a little bit like Jack Lloyd where he doesn't have that upside that we like to see from paying up for a player of that price. Most expensive player in the competition, 934 k It's just fantasy 101 is trying to find players that are not going to decrease in value. You want to always be increasing your value, even with your premiums. And it's a, it's a message that a lot of the best coaches out there have, have been sending us for quite a while now. And in the past few years, I think that's something that I've taken on board from, from guys like Selby. I mean, even in his his uh, kit this year from Marrerasmagic.com, uh, the, the whole point is that you're just trying to increase the value of the team. That's why a guy like, you know, a Merit or if a Lloyd, if you believe that he can, you know, go better, I personally don't. That's what you look at. If you think he's going to maybe drop from 114, even if it's to 110, you you want to get closer to the guys that are going to improve. Definitely. However, if you can get a Gorn and put a captain on him, you might get and, close enough, and don't the, you? And the difference is that there's only two Ruckman. Yeah. So if you're picking the, the top two, it's just it's yes, Rob's thereabouts now, but it is such a massive drop to the next best Ruckman. Yeah. So yeah, yes, you can sort of offset that. I'm not starting Gorn. I think I can use the money saved elsewhere. As am I. But there's still a really good argument to be made to just go Grundy Gorn. See you later. Set and forget. Yeah, I agree. Next player, and that was the double, but 29 for me. I'm, go I'm going with a cheeky one. It's a dude that didn't play, and I'm so thankful he didn't play because I think his, his ownership... Yes, I know who you're going to say here. <laughs> Caleb Sarong. Is that who Caleb you thought I was going to say? The second year player. Is that who you thought I was going to say? That is exactly who I thought you were going to say, mate. Now tell me why you said it. <laughs> he's he's going to be dropping out of teams because he didn't play. He's, he's at 9% ownership, actually. So that's still probably higher than what I maybe envisioned... 
He's literally, he literally got arrested like a veteran. They said, Justin Longmuir was saying, oh, he's done more load than everyone. He's had the most load out of any player. He's been put through his paces this preseason. He's done enough. Basically, he's our, he's our first pick mid. Done and dusted. No need. Let's see how Connor Blakely and that go in this game. See how they go. Caleb Sarong is, is their first pick mid. I think he's just going to absolutely brain it this year. Oh, time. yeah. And we've seen second-year breakouts from Taranto, Oliver, Walsh. It's Ol- underrated. But it's- probably not Rao. So we'll see according to Dossie. But- <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that. Check the notes on that one. I didn't say that. He averaged 83. This is Sarong. 82.9 in 70% time on ground last year. 99 in his last three when he was actually getting a lot more. Yeah, he, he's chances. underpriced based on how he started the season, isn't he? Because yeah. he, he was playing like 60% time on ground, even less. Yeah. It was something ridiculous. So, yeah. So, he burned uh, a lot of coaches early, actually. I just think 636K, it is very awkward. I'll admit that. But I think we are going to see the next, uh, like you're saying, the next Jack McRae, Clayton Oliver level jump, you know, 20 points. I think you'll go, and I think you go over 100 this that, year. That's why you're picking him. And you have to, he, if yeah. he's going to be a keeper, which he has to be, yeah. when you're paying that much for him and you think that's what he can do. I do. Then you got to pick him. And that is my 29th most intriguing. Louis, take it away. This is our final player in the most intriguing top 30. A lot of pressure on this one. So I'm not pressure. sure if I should go point of difference or a common player. What, <laughs> what do you think, Dossie? Oh, if you are, had to split it. We are the point of difference pod, but I think go with the person that people are going to be most interested in okay. yeah, with the ownership. I think. I'll talk about a very popular player. He's sitting in a lot of teams at F4, F3, Joe Danaher. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think he's super relevant this year because I'm seeing him in just a lot of coaches' teams and I don't mind it. We saw a 70 from him on the weekend and that's... Probably what you're going to expect from Joe Danaher. Kick three goals. He's underpriced based on what he has done in the past. The only concern is that he's only played about 15 games in three years. Yeah, I think you're relying on the magic that has been produced from the Brisbane Lions medical team that they're going to keep him on the park. He's done basically a full preseason, as we've heard. Oh, I think he's been, he's done literally every session um, mm. out there at Brisbane and and obviously finished last season with four four games. Um, yeah, you, you're just hoping that he can continue that. I think he's fairly awkwardly priced at 432k. You want to hear my, my take? If you're going to spend 432k, I reckon you chuck the rookie in the forward line and you roll with Andy McPherson, who's around the same price. Yeah, don't mind it, Dossie. You're going to get more production. All right, well, that is our top 30 most intriguing for AFL Fantasy Classic here on the Point of Difference podcast. Okay, so on to the second part of the podcast, and that is Lose Noobs. Now, Louis, you're you're a beast at your rookies. You know your rookies insanely well. You're always a source of information for uh, us in the group chat, which includes Hef of the Keeper League pod and Cam, of course, of the Draft Doctors. We're always nagging you for rookie information. Now, you've compiled for us your top power rankings for rookies that we should be looking at in round one. Now, I think you've gone for something like a top five. In the- yeah, so I've gone for a top five in every single line. Um- I love that. Even rucks. Even rucks. All, all of a sudden, the R4 position would have been really handy, but I suppose you can use the utility. But <laughs> You're going all out for us, Louis. So do you want to take it away? Are we going to start from defense and just work our way through? Yeah, we'll work our way down from defense. And uh, this list is sort of um, 
rough, but it's based on a bunch of different things like job security, scoring potential. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a hard and fast um, Bible of, of rookies, basically. But yeah, and, and you're going to be going through just the major sort of reasoning behind why you like them. You're not necessarily going to go through their junior numbers, but if you no. do want those junior numbers, of course... Uh, Hollywood Hef made sure we uh, will let you know that they're they're available at keeperleaguepod.com.au. You can check out all of those um, in the draft D fantasy scores up there. But Louis, take it away in the in the top five power rankings for defenders. Yep. So all these players, I think, uh, will or should line up round one. So we'll start off with Nick Murray. Nick Murray. Now he was the he, guy at yeah, the, at he the was, footy on the yep. weekend that I had to look on the AFL app. He didn't have a number on there. They said number zero. I was like, who's He didn't 18? have a list spot at that time exactly, either. No. Yes. So I was like, a few of the lads were like, who's this bloke? And I said, um, oh, there he is. Number zero on the AFL app, but number 18 on the field. He actually comes from some pretty good fantasy pedigree, Dossie. You're kidding. I don't know if you remember his brother, Sam Murray. He was a I really do. handy rookie for us a few years ago. Yeah, Collingwood. Yeah, for Collingwood. I think we had him up until sort of that round 10 range. He made a lot of cash. Gee, his brother, Nick, is quite a lot bigger than Sam. Though. Yeah, he's a key so defender. He's a key defender, which is why I've got him at fifth. The yep. reason he's in this list, though, is because Adelaide don't have a defense anymore. Maccasey's just not in form. Talia's injured. Doty's injured. Hardigan's gone. All of a sudden, yeah. there's a spot for Nick Murray, and I think that's why they've signed him. He's going to play. He's going to play okay. round one. That's amazing. That's... Lock him on your bench. All right. I like that one, Louis. Who's the four? Next one is Justin Kaczynski. I think his first name is. Okay. Have I said it wrong during uh, this? Uh... No, I don't know. I just know that there's been a few Kaczynskis that have burnt me in the past. <laughs> I'll have fantasy. a look. I think continue. there's about three or four of them, but <laughs> 170K <laughs> defender. Kick six on the weekends for Hawthorne. Jacob. Jacob. There Kaczynski. So, so he's going to play, you'd think, based off of that. Um it was Mitch, amazing performance. Mitch Lewis uh, didn't play, but, uh, you know, you got to reward six goals, don't you? And I, did, I did hear on How the, picky can we get with a bench in the rookies? Yeah, I heard on the radio contributing some of those six goals to Jack Zabel's defense on the weekend, <laughs> which, to be honest, wouldn't surprise me, but he was very impressive. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, the next one is Tom Highmore. He's been a really popular player for coaches. He's a 182K defender. Do you think he'll play? I think he does. Okay. I think he sneaks in. He come on in the second half of last weekend's game. I think he just gets there, especially with that injury to Frawley, which they wouldn't have been planning, his obviously. Points, his points per minute were okay as well, weren't they? Yeah, I think it was like 0.49 or something. So, you know, you could probably mount a case that you could put him on field, but yeah. I don't mind it. We'll see, Dossie. He's a buzz name anyway. The thing about these rookie defenders is that none of them are going to score well. We, we, <laughs> that's something we forget. And he's 182k if he's going to get a game that's juice. That's it. There is no Xavier Dersma this year. You know, there is no Brandon Stasevic. We, we don't have these players that we can rely on to, to give us a fieldable score. So next up, I've got Connor Iden. He's a 220k defender, plays for GWS. Looks like he's got a spot in that team for at least the first few weeks. Took six marks on the weekend. JWS like to kick it, mark it. I know he's a key position defender, but... From what I hear, and you were telling me off air as well, you saw something that ignited your passion for him in, I think it was the first trial match, and that was something sneaky he did during a kick-in. 
Yes, I did. I actually, uh, I felt so strongly about this that I decided <laughs> to pause, go back on KO and, and record it on my phone. And that was kind of item just blatantly stealing the kick out from Isaac Covey. I loved that. <laughs> Louis, would you say that's a sign of observable thirst? I think that is a sign of observable thirst. I like that. Dolphin. Stealing a kick in. We like that from Connor. So, you've got to pick him based on that. Criteria. He's in my team from yep. your passion. You've been very passionate about Ivan. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. I don't like him much, but. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, mate. You convinced him in my team. All right. Well, let's go on to Lockie Young. So, he's been recruited to North Melbourne in the offseason. Uh, tall marking defender. Uh, whether or not he plays key position defense, I'm not sure. I don't think he will especially with Tarrant in that side I think he'll fight across half back where the ball should be plenty given that he plays for North oh yeah 276k is a lot to pay though it's a lot yeah it's I've got him at number one because he's probably got the best job security okay and, and obviously with these rookies they are the genuine rookies they're not the guys we're talking about in that weird second year price bracket of 300 plus k they, these are the the genuine rookie class of 2020 just to make that clear these aren't the the Paddy Dows at 300k these aren't the the Hayden Youngs at 337k these are the guys that you're wanting to either have on your bench or hopefully if they show a bit yeah starting exactly. just as your D6 or yeah these are the guys money. that basically are saving money with and generating cash with exactly mid let's go to the midfield Okay, so we start at number five, which I couldn't split. And the reason I couldn't split it is because there's not a lot of midfield rookies. We're complaining about defense rookies, which we should be. No, you're right. But compared to previous years, there's just not a lot for midfielders. It's green dot watch, isn't it, for round one? Definitely. And you you need 22 or 30 green dots on your field. So uh, I'll start it off with Eli Smith. So he's 170K mid forward. The reason that he got into this list tonight is because Rainer's ACL has been confirmed. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. So he didn't play on the weekend, but he was a decent junior scorer. He was in that practice game. It's been talked up all preseason. He might be the one that can come in and not play Rainer's role, but basically replace him in that side. Well, that's when you know you've got your mind on the rookies, Louis, when I'm thinking, gee, poor Cam Rainer. You're thinking Eli Smith. <laughs> Mate, Cam Rayner was old news after his draft. Yeah, I'm not interested after that. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your next rook? Tyler Brockman. uh, Kicked three goals in that first quarter for Hawthorne. I think every single coach was hopping on Twitter, their socials, going, holy shit, who is this Tyler Brockman kid? So he's 180k mid-forward. Look, he's not going to... as your midfielder just because there's that lack of depth. I can't fit him. Yeah, there's just such a lack of depth that Eli Smith and Brockman have just had to come into that midfield. um, I don't know. He did look good. I I did catch a lot of that game and he looked looked like he needed to play round one. And that's something that we just need, 180k. His scoring will be volatile as a goal kicker, as a goal kicking player, but he had a bit about him and he had a burst of speed that was really impressive. He did. The only concern about him, and it'll also be a concern with another Hawthorne teammate of his I'll touch on soon, they play five of the first six Sunday games. Yes. And of course... And they had so many out in this game too, yep. like your Tom Mitchell's, like your Jaeger Ramirez. So of course with rolling lockout, I mean, straight away, Wingard is a better player than Tyler Brockman, obviously. Yeah. So watch those team sheets. We're lucky that they do play Saturday round one. But if they've got a few outs in that game, gee, I wouldn't be feeling confident about round two. Yeah, that's a tricky one. And that's something that you're going to get uh, from Louis and his rookie analysis here on Lou's Noobs. 
So number four, we've got James Jordan, 170K mid. He may be someone who's just getting a little bit of a run because uh, yeah. no Oliver on the weekend, no Brayshaw, no Viney. Harm sucks. So they threw in <laughs> James Jordan. He's a major green dot watch, isn't he? He's a green dot watch. I think he's at number four because his scoring will be okay if he's named. I yep. think he might be. He's scoring. But his I mean, job security is a question. Don't score much to be to be impressive. No, and security he's a bench mean. option only as well. Yes. Yep. It's good to make that clear. Who's your next guy? Connor Downey. So Tyler Brockman's teammate, another one. Be concerned about those Sunday games, but he's turned heads all preseason. He backed it up in the practice game. Backed it up again in the Amy Community Series. It's just been all positive news from him, the coaches, and I just think that. He'll be in Hawthorne's team come round one on that wing. Um, and a little bit of a mullet too. A little bit of a mullet. And he's got a wing spot there, which was left open by Isaac Smith too. Yep. The one thing about Hawthorne rookies, I just had to throw this in, Dossie, because I do love my rookies. <laughs> first time, if Connor Downey or Tyler Brockman play round one this year, yeah. it'll be the first time a Hawthorne player has made their debut in round one since oh. Tim O'Brien in 2014. Wow, that just I think that just shows you the direction um, the franchise is kind of going this season, though, doesn't it? They're, they're heading into that rebuild, and that's probably why... He's playing like, the kids. Yeah, and that's probably why a guy like Tom Phillips as well is someone we can probably have a lot of trust in in scoring well because there's just not a lot of names in there that, that we have a heap of confidence in, and the veterans, they're going to need those veterans to play well to to hold up the young kids in this in this rebuild. Who's your next player on the, on the rookie... Uh, lose noobs. So this is a bloke you're keen on, Doss. I could tell. Errol Gordon. Absolutely. So why are you keen on it? Let's just switch roles for a sec. He's got a beautiful peg. Now, I know you said Braden Campbell also a, a better peg as well, but Gordon's kick, I just love it. And, and I think even though he's a shorter player, his ball use and just his football smarts, he's, he's going to play right away. And, and he's been talked up by Horse uh, as a player that is going to be looking at at an early debut. And I think uh, Sydney's in sort of a similar position in that they might be, you know, hopefully trying to move up the ladder for their sake this season, but they've still got a lot of uh, growth left in them and they're going to need to play the kids. And and Sydney's just a team that, yeah, I think they will be playing a lot of the kids this season and and especially when they've got that much talent and and both Campbell, who you're probably going to touch on soon, and, and Goulden in the midfield available as a midfielder playing in a halfback role by the looks too, Louis. Yeah, so which is strange because he was more of a midfielder, but an undersized midfielder as a junior. Yeah. Huge accumulator, Dossie. This will be this will be a sort of bloke who plays a little bit like Tom Mitchell with Oof. with accumulating the footy. So just just watch Harold Golden here. Harold Golden, the next Tom Mitchell, you heard it here first. No, no, not at all, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, doesn't that mean if he's the next Tom Mitchell under horse that he's gonna be played in the Nafel soon then? Yeah, and then you'll... <laughs> Maybe, Watch possibly. This Watch this space. And then you'll be shipped off the Hawthorne. <laughs> yeah. Tom Powell's my number one. I don't think that's yeah. a surprise. Um, just elite ball winner at Sandford senior level, which is something that, you know, when you see that rosy previous years, they always end up being decent fantasy scorers. Uh, playing in North's midfield where he's going to have plenty of opportunity. I think that... He showed enough from, I think he's 67% game time on the weekend, scored a 64. That's enough. It's plenty. 
Lock him in. Yeah, amazing player. I think he was. Leading. He'll be the highest scoring rookie this year. He was leading points per minute at halftime for North Melbourne. That's that's how impressive he was. Leading their team for points per minute in his first year. So that's very impressive stuff. All right, let's head to the rucks now. I suppose okay. it's been exciting. Yeah, You've so got five. Maybe just power through them. Yeah, I was just about to say I won't spend too much time on this. At number five, I've got Josh Tracy. He's 170k forward ruck. Not going to be a high scorer, but he's forced his way into the side and. Maybe with Lobb's injury yesterday, he might be able to keep that spot on the side. He's a tall forward. He's probably not going to be chopping out in the ruck too much. And job security and scoring is just massive concern, but he's a ruckman. Next up, we've got Paul Hunter, another 170k ruckman coming from Adelaide. Never played a game, but he's a mature age recruit. Obviously signed because Marshall was injured. Yeah. He could play the first two rounds and playing in a in a fantasy friendly role like the ruck where you can get free points basically getting hit outs he might be someone who makes a little bit of cash over the first few weeks again his job security question marks are you going the utility and the ruck spot for both rucks two rucks uh central or not i will consider it with my next pick lloyd meek i think um not dissimilar to Matthew Flynn, um, Mick would have been a locked in a lock in the utility spot if it weren't for Sean Darcy. Yeah, Sean Darcy's their number one ruckman, but he's under a little bit of an injury cloud. Uh, and they're, historically, Sean Darcy, you'd think that they're going to take a bit of precaution. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They don't seem to be talking up Sean Darcy's return all that much. No, yeah. and Mick's been talked up for a number of years now. It's I'm, I'm glad to know he actually early. exists because yeah. it was the first time seeing him play on the weekend. So. <laughs> yeah. Job security, another concern, but what do you do? Number two, Tom Forden, uh, 170K forward ruck for Brisbane Lions. Dan Mitstay got injured yesterday. So a bit of a theme going on He was a late in, wasn't he, uh, in that game, I believe. Yeah, I think so. So um, the fact that he came in for that player when they were injured, um, maybe you read something into that. The fact that they are a capable forward and Chris Fagan talk them up after the game saying that they are one maybe maybe he gets a game I think he needs his next big O now that big O has become Steph <laughs> that was the next thing I was just about to say he's now big O's chop out Ruckman because yeah. he's the next tallest player in the team so if he can get his 10 to 12 hit outs a game kick one or two goals he's a nice little bench option probably that, like you said a utility option that I think. dual position too really handy super yeah handy. super handy and finally, I'm not. I'm hardly going to touch on this one. Your number one has to be Matt Flynn. Yeah. Number one ruck for GWS in 2021. Totally straightforward. What happened with Kieran Briggs though? I'm sure a lot of fantasy coaches might have switched him in, thinking, "Hey, what's going on? I thought Matt Flynn was here, but there was a slight injury there, wasn't there? And yeah, they just yeah. rested him up. Good point, Dossie. Um, Flynn actually hurt his ankle, so he was just rested for a week. Probably could have played. Um, just gave game to Briggs and he looked all right and defensive forward status, I think. So he's not actually eligible as a runner yeah. anyway. So, but and but to be clear though, Flynn is going to be our green dot man for number one oh, uh, yeah, for, yeah. for round one and not Briggs. All right, uh, let's get on to the forwards and, and wrap this up for lose noobs. Okay, so number five, and uh, he wasn't here until Will Kelly's injury who was 172k forward. You're actually saving 2k now. You've got Harry Jones. For Essendon. Yes. He yes. looked all right, didn't he, Dossie? Oh, yeah, he yeah did. took he a few did. marks He's been up talked the up a heap. He's been talked up a heap in the media. Uh, and he delivered. I, I was I was impressed. I watched a lot of that game. And, 
Yeah, he, he was moving up the ground, taking marks. And I think the main thing that we can take from that, Louis, though, is his job security looks very high. Talked about all preseason and delivered on the promise of, of looking good via the eye test. They're going to give him time in Essendon's team, and that's all you need. You and need that, a guy that's going to be a warm body each week with the green dot and make you some cash. That's exactly why he's at number five, mate. He's a little bit like Max King last year. Yeah. Just a slow might on the score, bench. Might score a little bit more. He was getting up the ground, uh, which you know we saw Max King. I suppose he did do a bit of that himself. I, th- I think we might even see. He looks a little bit more less key forward, more sort of floating a little bit up the ground. Yeah, yeah. Okay, number four, we've got Braden Campbell, who may seem a little bit low, but like I said, he is very good by foot. He is... Purely an impact per possession player at the moment. He's not a massive accumulator. Only took the one mark on the weekend. So that kind of shows that he played that halfback role, but didn't really find the footy like we like to see from some halfback flankers. So he's an option. Certainly got the job security. And we've seen historically that Sydney rookies, when they're played round one, often get a really good go and just play the whole season. We saw that with Mills. We saw that with Heaney. Uh, we saw that with another person that I'll come up with after this podcast. <laughs> but no, I really like Braden Campbell, I think, um, in terms of having a super safe, on-field, job security rookie. Uh, I think he's really good at sort of F6, maybe F5. And you're willing to pay up that little bit extra premium just for the amazing job security and, you know, the cash gen will be there as well. Depends, how he, depends how he fits into your side, Yeah. Because there's more than five forward rookies. This is what we've yeah, got to think about. So I suppose he's only, what, number four, number five on your power rankings. Yeah, so yep. There's a few more to go. Number three, we've got Chad Warner. He put his hand up on the weekend. Uh, real surprise packet, actually. I'm not sure he was on a lot of radars, nah. but elite junior numbers again. Yeah, He's a guy that was on my radar last year just yeah. coming in uh, because of those junior numbers. And he got pigeonholed forward. Junior numbers. He got pigeonholed forward, but now we've seen that, okay, Horse is injecting him into the midfield now. What can he do there? Oh, he went at 72. That's pretty good for a 196k forward. And I think the thing that impressed me the most, uh, aside from just the performance itself, was I've heard Horse drop his name multiple times now in in, in press conferences. Uh, watched the press conference on the weekend to see who he talked about. Chad Warner came up, and in the uh, the coaches, the new coaches podcast, they're talking uh, that, that that's been going on on AFL.com. Horse mentioned the Warner as well, and, and that's positive to me that he's in the coach's mouth. He's been talked up. You always love to see that, that he's sort of on the mind when you're talking about young guns. Now, his rookie numbers in the waffle Colts it was, that's probably why he scored so well. But from the Keeper League pods numbers here for Draft D Fantasy scores from 2019, Chad Warner averaged 107.1 in the waffle Colts. So pretty nice. Pretty good, there. yep. Need more Chads in the AFL. <laughs> All right, going into number two, we've got Miles Bergman. Not a big surprise to a lot of coaches. No. When at 86, which would have been, he was fantastic, but took advantage of all those uncontested marks and uncontested possession that Crows basically allowed Port to just mop up all day. Won't score 86 every week, probably won't score 60 every week, but I think he's a decent F6, F5 option. Yeah, I love it. And how many more have we got here left, Louis? Just one more, mate, and it's James Rowe, purely for his job security. But I didn't mind his role on the weekend either. I thought he might get pigeonholed again into that small forward role, which would suck at Adelaide because it just won't be there. But he pushed up high up the ground, used the ball well, uh, 
crumbed at the feet of people pushing up high on the ground. Yeah. I just liked that he wasn't just a small forward. He was yeah. almost a small midfielder pushing if, forward. If at you're times. sitting forward at, in Adelaide's team, you're probably not going to get a heap of it. That being said, I mean, it was against Port, and that's a hard game, and he still scored okay. He probably actually. Yeah, I think it was a 62. Me. He so, impressed me from that perspective. I was thinking if Port played that well and I was at the ground, um, you know, seeing him around the contest, it's good to see him just not, you know, camp down low. And if he's able to actually score that well in in a game that was real tough for the Crows, you'd give his job security an absolute tick for starters. But he was a great goal kicker in the sample and you'd expect if they'd get off the leash a bit and actually play a bit better than they did against Port... He might actually just kick a few snags as well and exactly. produce you a if, nice score. If he can kick two or three goals, that'll be a nice enough score to just sit there at F6. To cash up a little bit. Well, thanks, Louis. That was Lou's Noobs. Hopefully that helps you guys, uh, all the listeners here, lock in. You just keep an eye out for the green dots. That's what you need keep to do. Keep an but, eye out for the green dots. But if, they, if these guys are the green dots, these are the ones you should have high on your radar, according to Louis, who is our rookie expert here on the Point of Difference podcast. Louis, that's... The show. That's our debut. Wow. We've debuted. We've finished the we show. Did it. it was yeah. a massive, massive show. And we do thank Hef for having us and Kays, of course, the Keeper League pod for hosting uh, the first ever episode of The Point of Difference. Might be the first and last, Louis. We don't know yet. Oh, we'll see, I guess. have to wait what you guys think. Uh, let us know. Let us thought. know. Louis, your it. Twitter handle? Uh, at Louis AF. And I'm at HK Doss. Uh, let the Keeper League pod know as well if you want to keep around a classic show just to help you out during the season. And uh, thanks very much for listening. Good on you, Dossie. See you later, guys. Farewell.